Have you ever wondered what makes people capable of creating changes that impact their lives and the world around them? What is their way of thinking, their mentality, their patterns, their perceptions of the world, their reactions to different life events? What influences them? My name is Cristina Puyol, and I invite you to join me in this adventure where we will explore together the mind of change makers. Are you recycling your goals from last year because you didn't achieve them and now you want another try? Are there goals that you have been trying to reach for the past few years and you don't seem to get around them? Have you decided to dump some goals because after several tries you have decided it's come the time to give up? Well, maybe it's the time to try something different and focus on what happens if you fail. And you may say, well, that's exactly what is happening. I don't need to focus on that. That's my reality. But what I mean is really putting your attention and visualizing all possible failures due to not reaching your goal. In this episode, I will not focus on quantum physics about achieving goals or spiritual tools or business models of achieving goals but on research done regarding the connection between our physiology and the science of achieving something. I want to elaborate more on what I started talking about in the last episode, setting and defining goals. If you haven't listened to that episode, which is, it was actually the episode number 100, I encourage you to do it, to get more tools to achieve your goal and really apply them. <laughs> In that episode, we talked about defining very clearly what your goals are, going through all areas of your life and choosing one to three goals for this year. Not more. Don't go all over the place with the goals because then it's much harder to reach. You're not focused. Now, we must make a distinction between defining the goals and accomplishing the goals. And you might think, well, it's obvious and they're different. But I want you to pay attention here in what we're going to share next in this distinction. When you identify what your goals are, part of the first steps is to create a list, a vision board or a scrap board of what you want to accomplish. Figuring out what you want and creating a list or a vision board can help you with identifying clearly what you want to achieve. But it might not be as effective to help you meet what you want to achieve, to meet your goals. Studies show that just doing the vision board does not work. It does not help to meet your goals. Studies from Balchetti's lab, I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, show that a person that visualizes accomplishing a goal and how it feels accomplishing it relaxes and does not have so much drive or motivation to actually pursue it. They can measure that physically in the body. Motivation scientists know that systolic blood pressure is an indicator of our body's readiness to get up and act to do something. It goes up in anticipation of your body or your mind needing to do something. So when you create a vision board and use it to imagine the goals accomplished, as Dr. Emily Balchetti shares, your blood pressure goes down. And that's not good because it means that your body is chilling out and it does not have the readiness to start something and go and get your goals. Some of these things shared about the studies are from an interview that Andrew Huberman did to Dr. Emily Balchettis and Andrew Huberman has an amazing podcast that if you're not following it, I really recommend it. Going back to the studies, some studies from Balchettis lab also showed that if you see 
an image of yourself versus just imagining yourself having accomplished your goal, you're more likely to be motivated and move forward to achieve the goal. What they did is an experiment measuring how much money people would put into savings for their future selves. One group had just to imagine themselves 30 or 40 years from now, and another group saw actual pictures of themselves aged 30 to 40 years from now. And the second group managed to put into savings a lot more money. So what we see visually is important in defining what we do in the immediate future, even if what we see is in the far future. So there is a different result if we just think of the future and imagine ourselves in that future versus seeing visual images, photographs of ourselves if we were to go down a healthy or unhealthy route. So regarding visualization, there is a way to do this better. It doesn't mean not visualizing. We're not talking about that. Visualizing one's goal is very effective to start the pursuit of a one's goal. It will really kick your motivation, but it's not so helpful to continue the pursuit of that same goal. Gabrielle Ottingen from the lab of Dr. Emily Bacchettis has identified a stage that has to happen besides clarifying goals and deciding how is that you're going to do those goals or accomplish those goals. And that is often overlooked. And that is thinking about the obstacles that can appear along your way to succeeding in those goals. Incredibly enough, that will help you a lot to improve your motivation. And like Emily says, this is counterintuitive as who would think that thinking about the problems will motivate you to go on? We hear so many times, don't think about the how, just think about the vision, the what, and the how will unfold. If you focus on all the difficulties and the problems and the hurdles, you will get derailed, you will lose motivation, and you will want to quit. Well, seems like science is not backing that up. And if you think of an airplane, all the backup plans that it has, the pilots have to know exactly when something fails, what is the next step. And they have all these other backup plans plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D, so that they have another option when something fails. They have another route to go when something fails. So maybe we should really look into this. <laughs> and science really backs this up. You're not going to do your best thinking and acting when you are in crisis mode. Although some people will surprise themselves in those situations, but generally it's good to have all this plan B, at least a plan B. So after the start, it is better to visualize your failures, to push your motivation, which sounds, as we said, counterintuitive. But Chetty's last studies have shown that if you think routinely about the ways in which things could fail, you double your chances of reaching that goal. So foreshadowing failure turns out to be the best way to have the motivation toward a goal pursuit. There is a doubling effect in the likelihood that someone will reach their goals of any kind when they constantly think about how bad it's going to be if they fail. It sounds opposite of what we are told about not thinking of our failure to not attract it. And yet, I do hear from many amazing accomplished people about how they go through failure scenarios they can think of. The people that get their goals get there in a myriad of ways. Some accomplish them because they have tied their identity to executing the steps to getting their goal, or and they have set a system and discipline around the steps to get the goal, or and make themselves face their fears 
and the effects of not accomplishing that goal. And for this last point, it seems that the studies back this up, as we stated before. And this is not to flagellate yourself, to demotivate yourself, to punish yourself. There has to be a balance. But studies show that doing this will help immensely to achieve our goals once we are in motion. And the more clear you are about what can happen if you fail, the more likely you are to achieve your goals. Unfortunately or fortunately, our brain and body are much better at moving away from fearful things than moving towards things we want. I heard this many years ago and I didn't like it. I didn't like to be motivated by fears instead of only inspired by our visions. But it seems like we are wired by evolution to be biased towards negative as a protection mechanism. So it can only make sense that to keep us moving, not to start, but to keep us moving, looking at what could fail could motivate us more on a day-to-day -day basis. When things go bad, it usually only takes one time to want to avoid that thing. When things go well, it takes more trials to cement that thing in our brains. Your amygdala, which is in charge of fear, worry, anxiety, and all the emotions, is also involved in the setting and pursuing of goals. It is actually one of the four parts of the brain involved in setting, pursuing, and achieving goals. So it makes sense that wanting to avoid fear, we're going to have some motivation to move. So again, regarding visualization, use it at the beginning of setting a goal and then regularly if you're working on changing your identity and or changing beliefs. Otherwise, while pursuing the goal, use it sparingly and add visualizations of how it would look like if you fail. Visualize yourself avoiding failure and equally, you should be very clear about how those failures look and feel. Now, let me clarify again that what the researchers talk about is predicting and visualizing failure, which is not the same as thinking about ourselves failing over and over. It is about predicting what the outcome would be if we fail and rewarding ourselves for the progress we make along the way. If we talk about fitness, for example, which is easier because it's, it's concrete, it is not the same to think about failing at losing 10 kilos and never achieving our goal and never being able to reach that and, and looking at the failure like we are not worth it, we're never going to get there, we've tried it 10 times and it doesn't work. No, that is different than thinking, okay, if I don't lose these 10 kilos, how is that going to impact my life, my health, my family? How is that going to impact all my work? Please make that distinction. Don't flagellate yourself. If you think about yourself as only failing, never achieving, because you're not worth it or whatever why you put behind that, that's not going to help you. It will actually demotivate you. I hope that distinction is clear. If you see the goal as completely unattainable and don't even trust it can happen, you will not reach that goal. You won't have the dopamine to motivate you and you won't have the belief or trust support to pursue it. Think of the airplane. If the pilot thinks they're going to crash, they're going to crash, they're going to crash, they're never going to take off. What they're doing is looking at all the possible failures and having a plan for those failures. And, and as you know from history of all the plane crashes, things that were not planned or things that were not done correctly happen. But at least you have a plan. And since it seems that a lot of people know a lot about what they don't like, I don't know if you're one of them, 
this failure visualization might not be so difficult as it only means, between quotes, looking at what happens if you keep doing what you don't like or what happens if you don't reach your goal. The message here is not to stop visualizations. They are really valuable, especially at the beginning. When you visualize and focus on what you want to achieve, remember that what you focus on will expand. You will attract what you focus on and visualizing it will tap into your feelings and it will make you vibrate in a frequency, the same frequency of that which you want to attract. And thinking about it enough times will make you believe that it can happen and tap into more possibilities and it will make you believe that you deserve it. When you think of something enough times, you will start to believe it's true. And for some crazy goals or goals that your current identity does not believe you can achieve, it will increase tenfold the chances of reaching them. But action and planning need to come along. And planning for failure will, on one hand, help you jump over some obstacles easier and also keep you motivated to go on and avoid going in a direction that you don't want to go. All of this is not in the contraposition of quantum physics as people use this term now a lot in setting and achieving goals. So once you have clarity about what you want and have set those clear goals, have your vision board or list or whatever description form you choose, you need to start creating a plan. How are you going to get there? Get it out of the abstract, get it out of your mind, break it down into manageable chunk sizes, into a day-to-day -day tasks that you need to do to get there. Have you heard the sentence, we underestimate what we can do in three, five, 10 years and overestimate what we can do in one year? That is because the planning is done for the far future, but not for the immediate future. And then the executing phase does not happen or it is not done in an effective way. We need to see what we can accomplish in the next month, the next two weeks, the next week, the next day. We talked about this in the last episode. Chunking is important too. They have done experiments where they gave a sugary drink to a group of people and no sugar to another group. And they demonstrated that those who received the boost of energy in the form of glucose in their bloodstream saw their goals easier. In the case of the experiments, they had to go to a, a finish line and they saw the distance to the finish line closer and they saw it much easier. So your body affects your going for the goals. And I'm not here saying that you have to take sugar <laughs> to go for the goals but just the connection between how your body is to the fact that you have or not motivation to go and get your goals. So one simple tool is not to take a spoon of sugar <laughs> for focusing on your work that Hooverman shares is to focus your vision into a line or dot for 30 seconds to one minute and you will be able to have more focus on your work after. And you're saying, what does that have to do with the sugar? Nothing. The previous thing was to illustrate that our body is powerful. There's a lot of things going on and we need to take advantage of those things to help us do the things that we want to do. And this thing about focusing on a line is not magic. It is a consequence that most of your cognition follows your vision, your visual perception. For the blind or the visually impaired, you can use the hearing system. Bacelli's study this, 
And the studies show that this tool makes it possible for someone to accomplish goals with less effort and finish faster. So this can be very effective for the part of pursuing the goal and getting into action. Focusing your visual attention on a particular point before doing any task is going to be the most effective way to bring your system into a state of readiness and action for goal pursuit. There is a study from Balcetti's lab that is actually called Keeping the Goal in Sight, testing the influence of narrow visual attention on physical activity that demonstrates all of this. So there is a connection between the eyes and the visual experience of a person and the pursuit of goals. So this helps to set intermediate smaller goals that can help you achieve your final destination. It will help you with motivation and you won't see the final goal as far and as attainable if you try to reach it without chunking. It's kind of a visual illusion <laughs> and this is called the narrow focus of attention. All of these are tools that will help you get there where you want to go. There's not one thing. Try this and see what works for you. If you haven't gotten where you want to go, try a new tool, add something or take out something in case that you have not tried these tools before. Remember, set one to three inspirational goals per year. No more or you will get distracted and not reach your goals. Visual spareness also can help us orient our focus and our behaviors. When we have a lot of things in our visual environment or a lot of things in our cognitive environment, we are all over the place and we will have less focus and attention. Stores know that. It is tested that if you have more things in front of you, you will buy more things. So if you're going to pursue a goal, you want more focus and less distractions. So don't set a whole myriad of goals. You will get more distracted. Go for all of them and as a result, you will reach less or none of them. Having a concrete plan is also essential and that has also been studied over and over in several studies. The more concrete, the easier it is to achieve and the more likely we are to achieve it. We have to be detailed about what success will look like and this is talking about feelings also and actions. How will I feel when I get this accomplished? What are the actions that I need to take? And constantly update those action steps because things will change. We know it. Things will change over time and our progress might dictate new actions. And how often should we update our plans and actions and make reviews? Well, it seems like weekly is a good starting balance to see what progress have we made and what we need to do next week. And this is also because of some studies done. So weekly assess what you need to do and what you need to change and what you need to stop doing. So for all goals, no matter what kind, you always use the same neural circuits and which includes four parts in the brain, regardless of the goal. And there are two things that we decide constantly, the value of a goal and the action or no action to take. And the value of information about the goal is key. And dopamine is the neuromodulator that is common in all the processes of goal setting, pursuing and achieving. We evaluate how we feel in our immediate space in the here and the now constantly. Dopamine therefore sits at the heart of our motivational state to seek out goals and to seek out pleasure. And this is true for immediate goals, for intermediate goals and for long-term goals. The bigger release of dopamine though are to things that are positive 
and unexpected. Less dopamine will be released when we anticipate something good and then that happens. We also get some dopamine but not really as much as when it is unexpected. And when that thing doesn't happen, then we get a drop in dopamine and we go below our initial baseline and that is what we call disappointment. And this is called the dopamine reward prediction error. Studies also show that knowing why we are doing something is fundamentally important for the effects that we will get from that behavior and the effect that that behavior will have on us. So we need to have a good why. We've heard this many times. Why? And also a reward system that we can consistently maintain and the regularity of that will vary. But there has to be a reward system. So pick a milestone that you can achieve consistently to make progress in your long-term goals. So get clarity on what you want, how you want to feel, and what you want to achieve. Set an inspirational or one to three goals and set an inspirational goal that is not easy to achieve. Visualize it to start pursuing it, then anticipate and think about what it means if you fail. What will happen as a mechanism to generate motivation and a little bit of fear and anxiety so that you lean into the correct behaviors and lean away from the incorrect behaviors to reach your goal. Then weekly or on a consistent basis, you want to reward yourself cognitively by telling yourself you are on the right track. You are doing the things that you said you were going to do. You are on the track of reaching your goals. This can generate enough dopamine to provide a state of motivation and readiness to continue in the regular pursuit of our goals. Dopamine is a self-amplifying system providing that you are leveraging the dopamine system on a consistent schedule. Our visual system and dopamine feed each other in both directions so we can use this to our advantage. And to begin any focus work, as I mentioned before, use visualizing a specific point so we get better at motivation and focus. This is a muscle that you can practice and get better to make it easier to achieve your goals. So if we cut it down in steps, First, set a specific and morally challenging clear goal. They have to have some challenge or you will not go for it. Make your list or description or vision board to start the pursuit. Plan concretely, chunking down and getting a support system. Then foreshadow failure. Think, visualize getting the goal at the beginning and in between sometimes, but otherwise think of possible failure scenario. What's going to happen if you fail? Then set a system for monitoring regularly, weekly perhaps, reviewing your long-term target and also your short-term goals and getting cognitive rewards for your achievements. And then focus on a particular visual point as a way to harness your focus and attention to pursue these goals. I really wish that this is the year you advance in the things that you wish to have, the person you want to become and the positive impactful changes you want to make in your life and in the world. If you need any help in this journey, this is something I work on with my clients regularly, so don't hesitate to reach out. I always leave my contact information on the notes. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Thank you for this time that we spend together. I hope you're getting tremendous value out of it. And if you do, please share with all your friends, your family, with anyone that you think that could benefit from this content. And if you think we deserve it, 
you can leave us a review and five stars in the app of Apple, the podcast Apple app. And please also subscribe and share it with friends and family in all of the podcast platforms. We are in Apple and Deezer and Google and Audible and Spotify. <laughs> and if you want to help us at another level, we also have an account in patreon.com slash changemaker. Thank you, sending you lots of love and big hugs, Change Maker.